Dear Father, we thank you for this morning, for this day on which our Lord came out of the grave and we as the church decided to meet on this day. Because that reality is our driving force. Your resurrection from the dead Your ascension to be with the Father and letting us know where we will be is the apple of our eye, Lord, as we continue to strive in the midst of a wicked world and corrupt generation. As we look at ourselves, we continue to thank you for the provision that you give. As we come to worship you, Lord, prayers receive a portion of that as an act of worship for us, for the expansion of your ministry here on earth. As we look upon ourselves, Lord, we continue to see that we need to grow into the stature of Christ. So, Lord, please correct us, encourage us, admonish us, exhort us, Continue to root out evil from us. Teach us how to walk in the light and in the spirit. So as to not gratify the desires of the flesh. Continue to invade our life, Lord, with your peace. With your mind, with your reality. Lord, we continue to pray, Lord, for the missionaries that are here through Mosaic and through Grace Works. Lord, give them special anointing and appointments with people that they will need to meet. Be with the churches, Lord, that are ready to receive those people who truly turn to you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, thank you for pruning the church, Lord. We continue to come before you in on adoration of who you are. And as we focus on you, we pray, Lord, that you eliminate all the noise from our hearts and our souls to seek you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're new with us, uh, we continue to read through scriptures, and we are um, just finishing up uh, the book of Judges does that, that does not end the period of the Judges. So we have entered uh, the period of the Judges, which is about a 350 to 450 you know, uh, age period when Israel is in the promised land, and they're about to get a king. That's not about. That's about, you know, 400 years plus or minus. Um, but today we're going to look at Ruth. Ruth is also a book within the same timeline. Ruth takes place during the time of the judges. So we're not really far away. This is within the same time frame. But as we look at uh, Judges, um, 
I want to mention to you the verse with which Judges ends. You know, it's a very abrupt ending and a punchline, which is very, uh, very offensive uh, to many people. And it is the scope of this book. Judges 21-25 tells us, In those days there was no king in Israel. What does this statement mean in regard to God? So therefore, it tells us that Israel is in a state of rebellion. Israel, who, for whom the Lord was meant to be the king of kings, and they were meant to be led through the mouth of a prophet, as we will see during the time of, of the judges later on, the people reject God's design. And we will see that fairly soon as we keep reading. So basically, just to simply put it, you know, we can add more. We can say rebellion. The second part of that verse says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What does this mean in regards to the Lord? Everyone does what's right in his own eye. How do you think you relate to God your Father when you do whatever you think is right in your own eyes? Well, let me tell you, you don't relate. You don't relate. From a perspective of us just looking at everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, we call that socially anarchy. Anarchy. So this is basically what's happening to us. Now, many people like to speak about the, the period of judges, and they speak well, and many of them are incomplete. But as I've told you before, what is the best explanation for the Bible? The Bible. Amen. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no human being that has born, has been born, and uh, will be that can explain the Bible you know, obviously Jesus Christ is the living word, but besides that, then the author of the word of God, the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I will read from you from Second Chronicles 15, 3 through 6. This is the best explanation for this period. So because it's such a big period, it's very important how the Holy Spirit looks at this and explains to us the period of the judges. And he says, for a long time, Israel was without the true God. And without a teaching priest. And without law. But when their distress, but in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him. He was found by them. In those times, there was no peace. To him who went out, and or to him who went in. For great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. 
nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. Interestingly enough, this is what the Word of God tells us about this period. This is how he views it. Not too many scholars will be as bold as to say, Israel was without the true God. Without a teaching priest. That's true. Did you guys see any teaching priest? And don't say that's wrong because the judges was raised, but that was not their purpose. Judges were merely there for military purposes. And without law. God appeared to them. God gave them the law. How can the Holy Spirit tell us that this is true? Didn't God give them the law? Didn't God appear? Didn't they have a sacrificial system that was running? How can God say about his own chosen people, they were without the true God? It's a very beautiful picture for us. Do you know of any backsliding Christians? Do you think it'd be nice for us to use that type of language? People will jump on you. Oh, you're such a judgmental. Well, let's begin with the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth will deal with this issue quite a bit. Ruth is the only book in Scripture that is named after a descendant in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth is also only one of the two books named after women. After women. Ruth is also the only book in what? The Old Testament that's, I think I said that, not written after a Jewish person. I didn't say that. Because in the New Testament we have one. Which one is it? Luke. Luke. That's right. Even though there's some small debate that he was a Hellenistic Jew, but we don't know for sure. So yeah, Luke spoils this reality, but Ruth is... Where, you know, uh, well, I should, we should stop that. Okay. But as we look at Ruth, we see very intricate relationships. We see the beautiful aspect of redemption. We see conversion being brought to us in a very beautiful way, which we will read about today. We also see what? Throughout the Judges and, and Ruth and, and 1 Samuel, 
we'll see a lot of God's providence. Now, we all claim to have a relationship with God. How many of you understand God's providence? Okay. <coughs> Not too many. How many of you understand what that means? Raise your hand if you don't know what that means. Okay. Okay, so some of you are honest. Okay. God's providence is given to us, especially visible when in case of rebellion and in case of not listening, people could begin to question the sovereignty of God. Is God still in charge? And it is during those days that we will see that beyond Samson's, uh, Samson's ability to know and beyond the reach and the choices of people, God is still in control and he's working things towards his plan. And it's a beautiful story because that's what Ruth is, which is working towards the path of our Savior to come. And, and I was so, you know, when you read the Old Testament, you, it's beautiful, but it's also very depressing because it tells you, you and I are in need of a Savior. So this is, this, this is why I picked this book uh, so quickly to go through it, because that reality was knocking on my heart too much. I couldn't wait to get further down the line, but, you know, we need patience to uh, walk the hard road because it is in our nature to try to skip the tough times in the middle and to jump to the nice, important times. Kind of many people will say, there are many heroes after the war. Not that many during it. That is true many times with our relationship with the Lord. Now, one aspect about God's providence is that it is, if you are in this sick spiritual condition where you're chasing the miraculous, and you have to be very careful because it's very dangerous, God's providence is what can cure you of it. It is a greater beauty and reality that can help you snap out of constantly seeking the miraculous. And you have to be careful about that. And this is a path that will help you out if that's one of the things that you are dealing with. In the days, so let's go to Ruth 1.1. In the days when the judges ruled, is telling us the period of time, there was a famine in the land. And the man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. <coughs> now, how can there be a famine in the land that is flowing with milk and honey? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, because Deuteronomy 11 tells us that if we serve the Lord, there's going to be blessing. But if we don't... We have to take care. So now we see why the Holy Spirit gave that distressful commentary on this period in Second Chronicles. Because Deuteronomy 11, 16 through 17 tells us, Take care lest your heart be 
deceived. This is for people who know the Lord. This is for people who love the Lord in their own way. It says, take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly of the goods of the land that the Lord is giving you. Who is doing this? We automatically think that this would come from the evil one, right? This is not. This is coming from the, the Lord. From him flow. For people who are in a covenant with him, both flow. According to how we keep the covenant. And this is the reality of this turn. Now it makes sense why the Holy Spirit says there was no true God. What does you and I need to realize? Religious rites and coming to church and just had knowledge of God. can still put people today in the church in the same situation as we have there. Religious rites and only had knowledge of God, which Israel had plenty of, can still put us today in the same condition. Let's backtrack. There was a famine in the land, and the man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Who are the Moabites? The incest group, right? This is the incest. This is the two daughters sleeping with their father, getting him drunk and sleeping with them. Right? This is the Moabites who had did incest, this is their clan. Very detestable to Israel. There's a hardship in the land. There's a hardship. I'm a Christian. But man, when I look at Moab and I see the green lash valleys, I'm not going to deal with this reality here. I'm going to skip down and go and everyone did what was you have no idea that this could be true today do you think there could be Christians who are, are the same way oh this must be this, there's something bad well, I need to change this what happens when you take matters into your own hand? No, but you rebel. There's no Lord anymore. When you begin to make decisions like this for your life, you have just become Lord over yourself. 
and in today's day and ages, me, myself, and I. I don't know if you guys just saw the a woman pastor come out of one of the oldest churches in the United States, in, in Boston, South Boston, and begin to speak about Pride Month in the church and how they support the Pride Month. And even taking scripture out of their context, out of Revelation 3, that God has opened the door. <laughs> they have the knowledge. They're a sizable church. It's one of the most beautiful buildings for a church in the whole United States. It's historic. Benjamin Franklin went there and Samuel Adams. And this is at a large scale. But even at a small scale, people still do this. They're still planning their own life, their own steps. And some of them even do it in the name of God. Because we like to speak bad about them. But boy, let's be honest and turn towards ourselves. Do you think there's a reason that the Lord has pruned the church for 70% of attenders to no longer attend church since COVID? Do you think that escaped the sovereignty of God? No. He knew before it happened. Choices bring about consequences, and this whole book will, know, will, will bring that to power to us. And this is their choice. They left. Please note, the hardship was more important than what? With whom? But don't go and tell me. Oh, don't tell me. I'm still pretty good with God. Let's not be hypocritical. Let's look at our own church first. The name of the man was Elimelech. My, look at this. My God is king, is his name. In those days there was no king. His own name, my God is king. But he took his family and skipped town. But don't you dare call them sons of the evil one. And the name of his wife, Naomi, Naomi means pleasant, delightful, lovely. And the names of his sons were Mahlon, which means weakly and sick or sickly, and Kilion, which means failing or pinning. Now, you don't really want to give names to your kids like this, but it was fairly common 
for, for people to give names according to certain situations they were around. Nonetheless, uh, this has a greater role in the providence of God to, to give us some explanation and to rattle us with the spirit of truth of God that through his spirit, not our strength, we may not fall into the same trap to hurt our own lives, our families, and this church. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah, from where we have the great prophecy of where our Lord would come from. But Elimelech, the, son, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. Again now, they went away from the worship of the Lord. They, reached, they, 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 they wanted a better life. They were wealthy to begin with. Now, they didn't want to mention that. They just want to mention that there was a famine Later on, we will get a confession from a backsliding Christian like whom? Like Naomi. Because she will go back and she'll say, I went away full. And when she came back, she came empty. So no longer call me Naomi because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Call me Mara. This is the testimony. I chased the lust for glory and money is driving our life. And while we were here, we had hardships, but we were full. Interesting how the Lord turns back backsliding Christians. It was true back then. It is true today. Now they broke another commandment. Yeah, let them marry Moabites. The name of one was Orpha, which means fawn. And the name of the other was Ruth, which means friend or companionship. They lived there about 10 years, and both Mahlon and Kilion died. So the woman was, le was left without her two sons and her husband. Please note, why did the men die? But it's not just by accident. Why did they move? Last for more and a better life. God said, I'm going to take away the one who provides you that. You can't even own land. It's by no accident. There, there are no accidents here that escape the sovereignty of God.
Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Why is she going back? Not to worship the Lord? Are you coming back to God because it was better with him than without him? No. That could be problematic. So she set out from that place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Now, why did she set out with her two daughters-in-law when the covenant of marriage is broken by death? Why are the two daughters-in-law still with her? Oh, because she was the elder of the family, and when they got married, now they entered into that family. Something that is not really viable for us today because we are too individualistically oriented. So we're very handicapped by our society to understand this reality. So therefore, Naomi has the right to do what? To give commands to them. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. What does this tell you about their relationship? It was still pretty good. It was very good. You know what? I bet you they even testify of God to them. Do you see how oblivious we can be to our stance before the Lord? And just because we may share the gospel and may see fruit, many people in our own minds will think, oh, that must mean I'm in good standing with God. Well, let me break that to you. You're only in good standing with God because of Christ. Please don't be disturbed to think that you're better than they are today. If you are and we are, it is because of the one we love and worship and praise. So we're in need. But as you can see, there was some fruit internally from this compromised family. The Lord grant that you may find rest. What, what is this now? What is this? Is this because she loves them? Yes, but what is this? The Lord grant you. Couldn't they say, well, you're a hypocrite, Naomi, you're a hypocrite. You've been chasing the almighty buck. 
the money, the success. How can you tell me now the Lord to grant you that? You, you would have been back into his temple doing that. So what is this? This is a personal confession. The Lord is now working on whose heart? Do you think it's easier for the Holy Spirit to get to you when you're full or when you're empty? When have you seen more people turn to the Lord? When things are going well or when they're not? That's even visible for us today. We mostly as a church go into suffering places to share the gospel because it's much more fruitful. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. There's an impact. There's an impact that goes even beyond the original families they were grown into. The villages, the places where they grew up into. There's a clean impact here. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. This basically does not mean she's too old as in old, but too old as maybe coming to a place where she's in menopause. If I hope, I should say I have hope, even I should have a husband that this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Now, if she says she's too old, and that may refer to menopause, she's also saying that she doesn't lack the faith that God may be able to do this. It comes with that confession. Her, her mind is beginning to change. She is beginning to get back. Interestingly enough, how she says that. Would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. When the hand of the Lord is against you, it will impact your ministry, it will impact your home, it will impact your relationships. The very relationships that you have. If you look at a certain person, let's take AJ, it is not what he does on the stage, let's take someone else, Linda, Naomi, Ed, Christina, Dave, the relationship will speak much louder than anything they do. Because it is hard when the, when the hand of the Lord is against you and it is a blessing when the hand of the Lord is with you. And there's no in-between. That is the beauty of what we see here and in her confession, she's saying, 
it is because of me that you're kind of in this situation. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. An Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. So this was a seed. It looked somewhat fruitful, but it was unfruitful. What does that tell you? Don't be fooled by emotionalism. Don't be fooled by tears or jumps of joy. That does not speak reality. This reminds me of pepperoni pizza. Why does it remind me of pepperoni pizza? Nobody here likes pepperoni pizza? Wow, I guess I'm the only one. Because you know what? The cow is involved because there's cheese on the pizza. But the, the pig is committed. Because <laughs> he had to pay with his life. <coughs> this is Orpa and Ruth. Orpa was involved. But Ruth was committed. Or this is like bacon and eggs. The chicken was involved. But the, again, the pig, he paid. The pig was committed. See, your sister has gone back to her people, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Baru said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. What is Ruth doing? She's telling them, the Lord is my Lord. She's testifying, helping her get back. Friend, companion. Is that why you and I are friends and companions? To give testimony about the Lordship. Because you don't need to share the gospel to backsliding Christians. Because they already know the gospel. They like the gospel. They just don't like Jesus to be Lord. They like him as the Savior, but they don't like him to be Lord. I have to mention this because it just took place. 
at the national convention, one of the pastors stood up and says, I would like the denomination, the association, to form a committee and to look into elders. What does that mean? And to introduce them back into the church and let's vote on it. Now let me ask you this. How can you vote on something that God has given and already portrayed? Who are you to vote on that? Let's make research, our own research and vote. Aren't you afraid of voting on what God has already proclaimed? That means our throne is higher now. So right now, she's saying, I know you're the elder. I know you're giving us instructions. I see your heart is intended towards good. But there's someone higher than you on the throne. And I'm giving you testimony to that. Naomi, I'm giving you testimony to that. Can you and I be a Christian by being involved or by being committed? Is that your opinion or do you have something to back it up with, Ed, from the Word of God? I've asked you to memorize this verse, Luke 9.23, when I first came. I've asked all the church, if you would come after me, Deny, pick up your, deny self, you can't claim that there's no king. And in those days there was no king in England. You can't claim that if you deny self. Can you only be involved when he says pick up your cross? Deny self and pick up your cross often, daily. It's both and. Deny self and pick up your cross daily. You got to be committed. You got to be as though you're dead to your own life and you're being spent. Are you being spent for the Lord or are you trying to accumulate? That's what in the name of the Lord Elimelech who claimed my God is king. They were trying to do. And life is tough. I'm not saying, you know, this week we've been blessed to have six people leave from here to the lower 48 this last week. But it doesn't mean that you move, if you move there is for other purposes. 
doesn't mean that you're chasing the mighty buck or prosperity. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. Obviously not full of the Spirit. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Praise the Lord that he did that so she could be saved. Why call me, Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. We no longer value public confession. When's the last time you saw someone come before the church and say, brothers and sisters, I have sinned in this way. And the Lord has dealt with me this way. I, I, I'm in need. No, because... We start gossiping about that, and we do that, and do all sorts of things. Good thing the Lord was there to help, to improve, to redeem the situation. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Going away full, now pulling with the homeless on the street. So this is the situation. You had to leave anywhere between 10% to 25% of what you gleaned on the fields. So it depended on who you are. Some people left a little less. Some people left a little more. So basically a fourth you either left on the field or you didn't even touch on your fruit trees. And then the people who were in situations like this, they didn't have to stay with a sign or go to the social offices but the Lord said they still had to work for it so they went on the fields and they there was no one who went hungry if they were willing to work so she said guess what I'm gonna go but not just for me for you too. But I'm going to trust the Lord that he'll direct me. Now, what's the problem with women going out this way? They could be abused, ridiculed, raped. She wasn't even a Jew. No one could even get called out because of that.
Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. You should jump for joy. Because what does this mean? That after I came to an end of myself, my joy comes from gleaning in the fields of grace. The fields of grace will cure you from the last of the flesh. The fields of grace. The fields of plenty, of fullness. Have you been in those fields lately? Fields of fullness and of grace. I'm telling you, worship would be different on Sunday mornings if that would be a reality. You will know when someone's walking in the fields of grace to glean. Man, you'd be happy just to be. Let me tell you, you'd be happy to be a janitor in heaven. You don't need to sit on the throne. Some of you may have aspirations to be on the 24 thrones, but I say take it easy. You'd be happy to be a janitor in heaven. I mean, I shouldn't even use happy. You'd be exuberantly joyful. Because we see that Ruth already had that. So she can go on the street. She can go and put herself down and bring a certain name to herself. Because she had the true reality within her heart. And she didn't want to do it out of... Look at her demeanor. She didn't want to do it out of rebellion. She even had to ask permission even though she knew. She didn't break the design. She should have said, you know, I need to correct you and take you on the health path. She still said, can I go? Do you know how you experience the fields of grace? When you see yourself so dead, as dead. And there's a still small voice from the Lord saying, Can I go? Where you can go? Because you're dead, you can't move, you can't do anything. Can I go? Have you heard the Lord say to you, Can I go? You know where it's going, right? Then we're looking there now. Oh, oh! I'm seeing the fields of grace. Have you heard his voice? Can I go? 
Have those rivers and fields of grace began to feed you? So you can now move because he's gone? No, we still see people make decisions and make even meetings to be smart about it too. We can even make curriculums. There's a field of grace. And the Lord says to you, if you're as dead and if you're as confused as you can be, the Lord Jesus is saying to you, can I go? The Father said, go. Luke 9, 23. If you would come, would come after me, deny self, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. If you've truly been following Jesus and the fields of grace, have you been armed against the lust? so close to your heart that's so viable in your flesh hey that's the whole reason why we came to the United States not just freedom it's a place for us to flourish I gotta tell you it wasn't easy when I came here in the first week on our first month I got a position I didn't apply for that was paying me like fifty, sixty thousand a year more and having a benefits package. How do you think it is to go home to your wife and to share that information? Only if you're able to, to go camping in the fields of grace, brothers and sisters. Otherwise it'll break the marriage. If those conversations take place in your family, there's a place where you can have a feast of boots. And only the reality of Jesus, who came to bring grace upon grace. Have you feasted in his fields? We'll stop there, but I'm hoping you'll join Ruth. She has proceeded at ahead of time. By declaring him Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father... We are so quick to speak. And some of us quick to act. Lord, we're smart people. But today, Lord, again, the simple words of Claiming, Jesus, that you are our Lord and Savior 
seem a little more deep and impactful to a superficial life. Lord, we understand today why you have said that we need to live in the fullness of your spirit. And you have told us on the great day of the feast that for him who believes, as scripture has said, rivers of living water shall flow out of that belly. Lord, your fields of grace, you are the fountain of life. Lord, how hungry are we for you? How thirsty, Lord, are we for you and your spirit? Well, Lord, out of that heart, out of that spirit, praise you with our lips and with our hearts to be a companion to people who need to know you and to come worship you as well. And Lord, please convict us this week, not about our involvement, but about our commitment. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.